Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast, where we share the stories and thoughts of church history's heroes to inspire and equip the church of today. I'm your host, Leila Nahavandi. We hope you enjoy this episode. to the Eagle and Child podcast. It's so great to have you with us today. I'm your host, Leila Nahavandi, and I'm super excited to be interviewing my very close friend. His name is Josh mm-hmm. Bidell. He's a favorite on our Eagle and Child podcast, mm-hmm. and he is absolutely brilliant with mm-hmm. all things theology, history, philosophy. He is an absolute mastermind. So Josh, thank you so much for joining us today. It's so great to have you. Yes, it's good to see you, Leila. You and I were chatting before. I believe this is like my my fourth time on here. Crazy. Um, yeah, you are a favorite. You are a hit. Wow. Oh, that, but I do know I was the person we're going to cover today. I think I was plugging to you. I was like, hey, if you ever yes. want me to do this guy, he's like, I mean, everyone I've done so far is one of my favorites, but he's up there for sure. So, yeah. So good. Yes, mm-hmm. and we are talking about Martin Lloyd-Jones, a very yes. famous preacher. Um, so, Josh, can you tell us a little bit about Martin Lloyd-Jones? So maybe a bit about his spiritual formation, how mm-hmm. he got saved, how he got into ministry. What's yeah. his background? Totally. So right off the bat, if I can give a quick synopsis of him, an overview. Yeah. The 30,000 foot view of, of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He's known as probably the preeminent preacher in the United Kingdom of the 20th century. Some wow. people say he's a preeminent preacher in all of the West, which include America. But generally, um, he's known as, as being the UK's best preacher. So he's born in Wales in uh, 1899, and he he spends most of his life in England as a pastor. Uh, his background, his spiritual formation, is interesting. So you know, with with the UK being predominantly um, you know Protestant, it, it's just kind of like the national religion. So he grew up. With not like a heathenistic family, they were sort of Christian, but he didn't live like a Christian lifestyle. He wasn't like a secular man by any means, but um, he became a medical student. He was fascinated with medicine, highly intelligent man. Uh, he had two brothers and one died early in the Spanish flu in 1918. So um, he goes into medical school, fascinated with medicine, and he's studying to be the king's physician. So the king of England, you know, I'm American, we don't believe the monarchy. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> in England, it's, it's you. Don't believe in God save the king. You don't want God oh. saving no king. Yeah, just a few months ago, they just had Prince Charles II take over for yeah. uh, the queen who passed. So that's kind of fresh in our minds. The king's physician was like the top medical doctor in the nation. And, and Lloyd-Jones was kind of his right-hand man learning under him. And, and so... What happened, this is really crucial to, to Lloyd-Jones's homiletics and hermeneutics and his ecclesiology. Um, the way that he would learn in the medical field, now again, he had no, he's not really, I wouldn't even consider him a, a Christian at this point. He had no inkling to even be a Christian or to be a pastor. He's just studying medicine to be a doctor. And he was very good at it. So what they would do is they would Socratically, didactically learn with patients in the medicine field. So what happened is that I believe his name was Sir Thomas Hoarder. He would have a patient and yeah. he would tell his students and walk around, what do you, what are the symptoms? What are you seeing? And he would Socratically ask them. They'd say, well, we see you know, they have a fever or they have measles or a bump. And I see some reddishness on their, on their arm. Okay. What does that tell you? Let's rule out what it could be. What could it be? Tell me. And he would really train these medical students to just diagnose the issue and problem so well, logically. Um, Lloyd-Jones was like 
taking that unbeknownst to him, like David being a, a shepherd in the in the fields, tending sheep, defending them from the bears and from the lions. And the Lord was like, I'm going to use that as, as your king, as a kingship. Lloyd Jones was training as a doctor logically and methodically, and God used that brain preparation to be a pastor. So he becomes yeah. a doctor. And about two years, he's wrestling with like, why am I feel, uh, I feel spiritually dry. And he walks out of a, a theater. He had gotten married. He had two daughters. At this time, at least about 25, 26. Um, and he sees a Salvation Army band playing music. And um, they're really happy and joyful and singing and preaching the gospel, handing out tracks. And Lloyd-Jones is like, how come they have so much joy? And I don't. What wow. is this Christianity? So that was kind of the, the inklings of his um, tr- uh, conversion experience. He has prestige. He's a doctor. He's a young guy. He's married, family. And he's, he's making his way up the ranks, and he's in, in the wings to be the king's physician. He feels the call to ministry. He quits and leaves all that. Wow. And they're like, what are, you, what are you doing? He took a pastorate job, which is like, as, as you and I know, we've done ministry. The, the pay, you don't do it for the pay. Um, yes. You do it for the Lord's call. He Absolutely. takes a podunk blue-collar town church out in England. Uh, it's called the Sandfields. And he just gives up all of that to, to pasture. And he got asked. He, and this he is why sometimes. He's a family, though, right? <laughs> What's that? He's still married. He's still married with kids. And yeah, just, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, not, yeah, yeah. His <laughs> like, wife he might sound like he left his family. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't do that. He first took them like, sorry, honey, yeah. you're on your own. He's like, right. uh, I'm going to make the call. Yeah. means you leave your spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So his wife very doctor as well, wasn't she? Uh, she was trained. I think she was training in some measure. That's where he met her. That the um, Lloyd Jones got his degree. At the, um, I don't even have it here, but I want to say it's the 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 um, University, yeah, University of London's where he got his degree. I think he met her uh-huh. there. She was very supportive. Her name is Bethan, wonderful woman of God. Um, but yeah, they go to Sandfields, and for ten years he preaches and, and cuts his teeth in like this blue collar. I mean, the, the, most of the issues he had, it's in a very industrial town, so it's a dock. There's ports. It was alcoholism. Wow. So. In those ten years, in his uh, in his mid twenties to his mid thirties, uh, he just became a a scholar pastor. Because here's the thing, he never went to theology school, so his his training wasn't official. He felt like that was he didn't feel like he missed it. He didn't feel like oh man, what I should have could have done seminary. He felt like that wasn't in the cards for him. But what he did, Layla. He self-educated himself. He read thousands and thousands and thousands of theological treatises, doctrine reports, you know, statements. He went through the creeds, the confessions, and he read uh, myriad books. So he's reformed. So he's in the Puritan strain. So like Jonathan Edwards, John Owens, George Whitfield, he he just devoured that. So, again, medical training, not theological training. He's yeah. there for about 10 years, and then he kind of feels stirred up like something's shifting. So the premier church, I would say, in all of England is called is Westminster Chapel. It's in London. And there's a pastor there, a very famous man named G. Campbell Morgan, very, very prominent preacher. He'd be kind of the equivalent, Layla, in America of maybe like, say, um, a Rick Warren or something like that. Um, just a very, very well-known, prominent 
man of God in England. By this time, Lloyd-Jones is kind of speaking at some conferences and he's traveling and word gets out, this guy's a young up-and-coming, great great preacher, great man. So G. Campbell Morgan's like, why don't you come visit me at Westminster Chapel and just stay for a couple months? And Lloyd-Jones is like in this transition, like, I feel like I'm supposed to do something, I'm not sure. He visits and he preaches and G. Campbell Morgan's like, you need to take over for me, but come on as an associate pastor. So for a couple of years, Lloyd-Jones is an associate pastor. Now, there's lots of social media um, accounts, they just have these like associate pastor memes and they just destroy yeah. associate pastor. <laughs> I'm an associate pastor now for the last like six, yeah. seven months. I love those memes. They're just like, they're so accurate. But Lloyd Jones, yeah. associate pastor, he trains their G. Kemmel Morgan. World War II breaks out. So everything kind of got put on pause because giving goes down, attendance goes down. I mean, England's fighting a war and they're getting um, ransacked, right, by well, on mainland Europe. And then the, the blitzkrieg of... Um, the aerial bombardment, the Nazis bombing London. So during that, Lloyd-Jones takes over in 1943, and he becomes the pastor at Westminster Chapel for about 30 years. That's where he really catapults himself onto the national stage and the international stage. And yeah, his sermons, his involvement in libraries, which I'll get to in his his achievements later, um, he starts, uh, he he is the president of InterVarsity Fellowship for Students, he really starts making bridgeways and connections with lots of people in the evangelical reform world. So he does that. And then, yeah, um, after that 30 years, he has to have some health issues, health problems. So he resigns and he's written a few books this time. Now he really lasts about, um, the last about 12 years of his life. He gives himself to writing and itinerant preaching. And they took his sermons, which were, which we'll get into later because his sermons and his preach, he's known for being a preacher they transcribed his sermons. He just converted those into books. So he edited those and preached the last 13 years of his life. And then he passed away in 1981. So his legacy is actually pretty recent. We're here to 2023. We're talking like about 40 years ago, this man died. I know some people you've had on your podcast are Eagle and Child, like medieval antiquity. Yeah. They go way back. But this gentleman is, is fresh. And I want to give one quote here. This is, um, this is a quote from J.I. Packer. So Martin Lloyd-Jones... To go back to your original query of like, what was the spiritual formation? He was really good friends with John Stott, who was like, Lloyd-Jones and John Stott were the premier pastors in England and UK for about 50 years. Those guys were just like beasts. The Batman and Robin are just like apostolic leaders of, the, of those nations in the UK. He was good friends with John Stott. He was really good friends with J.I. Packer. So J.I. Packer is, you know, very famous reformed theologian. Um, he has that famous book, Knowing God, which is just a standard uh, here's what Jack Packer said when he sat under Lloyd Jones preaching at Westminster Chapel. He said this: "I've never heard such preaching. The force of electric shock bringing to uh, all his listeners. Lloyd Jones gave me more of a sense of God during his preaching than any other man." Wow. So his preaching uh, later, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about ways you can access his preaching for free. It's available. Cool. Um, yeah. But that's what he made. Uh, that's his meat and potatoes. He's known as a, as a preacher. Yeah. And then when he did transition later from being a pastor to, yeah, being more itinerant, traveling, writing, and just hit the last season of his life, his retirement age, people would ask him, so do you miss preaching? Because you were so good and you were so famous and you were so erudite and you were like just... The, the, the gold standard, the John Chrysostom, I guess, you know, you'd say the, the golden tongue yeah. preacher yeah. of the uh, uh, early church. Lloyd Jones is kind of that man. Mm-hmm. People would say, don't you miss that? And Lloyd Jones goes, no, I, I don't miss yeah. it. He goes, preaching was great. He goes, but it wasn't my whole Christian life. 
Um, I, I have so much more robustness in my Christian faith than just preaching, which, which he revered a lot, which we'll get into. But that's Lloyd-Jones in a nutshell, uh, a, a very circuitous route to the pulpit. Medical training, wasn't yeah. born in a hardcore Christian family, mm. and God just saved him and um, and made him being one of the best uh, preachers we have the last, I would say last hundred years, top two or three. So that's Lloyd-Jones' formation and kind of overview of his life in a, in a synopsis there. I love it, Josh. That's so awesome. So mm. you've mentioned a little bit about what he's known for, but can you tell us mm. yeah, some of his achievements, his great works, his mm-hmm. famous sermons, anything that you can help us um, dive into his work? Yeah, totally. So I'm going to start off as usual with his books. That's easy for me. Yeah, cool. So I make this joke every podcast. I'm sure it gets lame, but I'm going to repeat it. Layla requires me. She mandates. You better bring some props on there. You better Hello. pull some books up or yeah, you're cutting you off. I'm you're like, out. I'm like, Never be on the show again. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, his most famous book, which I'm going to put you on the spot on because I hope you're a preacher. You preach very yeah. well and I don't travel. It's his book, Preaching and Preachers. Have you read of that book? Have you read that book before? Have you heard of Have it maybe? Heard of it? I've yeah. heard of it. I haven't read it though. <laughs> Shame on you. I feel Shame conviction in the podcast. The Holy Spirit is convicting you as we speak. I know he is. Absolutely. This is I'm it. Go right now. And preachers. And I lost the, the book cover, but this is the standard. No, that's too that's too strong of a statement. I would say it's in a handful of books that are like the go-to books if you want to preach. Timothy Keller's a book on preaching. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This is one of them. He's very, Lloyd-Jones is, um, <laughs> he's a very serious man. He's a Puritan. He's, he's yes. a reform man. And usually those gentlemen, uh, they take their faith seriously. So his books and his opinions, they, it comes at you like a shotgun blast. Wow. He is not shy about telling you, this is what preaching is. This is what hampers preaching. Here's what sucks about current preachers today. Here's what you need to do to fix it. And I make no qualms about it. I mean, Here's why you he's suck. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, um, he was a tender man. So on the pulpit, he was very much authoritative with conviction and passion as a preacher. But people would say behind the scenes, like after the service or in his office or bumping into him on the streets, very tenderhearted. And they said the first thing they noticed about him wasn't his intensity, which is in the pulpit. The first thing they noticed about him when he was in the pulpit, um, was his his sense of spirituality. He just exuded time with God. And there were so many times later where he would say, um, I'm skipping ahead here. You have a section that, hey, tell about his quotes. One of his best quotes I love is he said, take time to be holy. Take yeah. time to be holy. So think about like Acts 6-4 when Peter says, hey, look, I know the widows need help and the, we got to feed the, the poor and, and the tables, serving the tables and food. But we need to give ourselves and devote ourselves to, do you remember, the ministry of the word and yeah. prayer. We devote ourselves. Lloyd-Jones lived that. Uh, yeah. He very much spent time with God. Now, he, he wasn't quite a cessationist. He did believe in the Holy Spirit moving in the, in the gifts of today, but not, not as much. He He's a self-admitted non-hyper-Calvinist. So he said, I'm reformed, he said, but I'm not a hardcore five-pointer. Um, okay. So he's very, very direct, and he's very confident in his assertions. And in this book, I can't recommend it enough. You read it, and it's um, – he, yeah, let me just give you a table of contents here. So yeah. the primacy of preaching, he talks about the sermon in preaching, the form of the sermon, the act of preaching, the preacher themselves, the congregation – 
the character of the message, the preparation of the preacher, the preparation of the sermon, the shape of the sermon, illustrations, eloquence, and humor, which, by the way, he was not a fan of exercising humor in a sermon. He was <laughs> he, he said he despised and eschewed yeah. entertainment in a sermon. Um, yeah. I'm going to skip ahead and give you a quote that I was going to read later. He said this. He says, I cannot imagine. I think he probably gets it from here. Uh, maybe I got the quote yeah. from here, but I got this uh, somewhere yeah. else. I cannot imagine the Apostle Paul bouncing up in the platform, cracking a few jokes to put the congregation at ease, and then entertaining them with flippances in order to play upon their feelings. Mm, so wow. in here, he just lays out his whole, basically if he sat down and said, give me your homiletic philosophy, this is it. Yeah. So I cannot recommend this book enough. This is the book he's most known for. Um there was a 25th, that's the version I have is a 25th anniversary edition. Oh. And you have men like um, Timothy Keller, um, R.C. Sproul, um, um, what's his name? Ligon Duncan. They, they have little articles in that 25th anniversary edition saying how much Lloyd-Jones meant to them. So how do you recommend that? That's one of his books. Um, one of the things he says in there, Layla, <laughs> he says... Preaching should not be tied down to a time. So like he, one thing he talked about is he, um, this is more of his impact I'll get to, but he cut everything out of the church ecclesiology except for prayer and preaching. Wow. So like the ministry, women's ministry, uh, we have an evangelistic team, a homeless ministry. We do single moms. He was like, we're cutting that. But like, prayer. did he, did he cut communion? <laughs> <laughs> he had communion. Is this even a church? Yeah. I know. He um he felt like the church had lost its power. And at this point, you and I know now, 2023, yeah. the Church of England is, is really on a, a slippery slope to liberalism um, and secularism. Mm -hmm. And so signs of that were already uprooting in his time. Mm -hmm. So he saw that and he was very, very careful to not go down that route. And maybe the pendulum swung too strong. But he just said, look, you need strong, powerful preaching from the pulpit, period. So his book talks about that. But many times he'd be on a TV show and they'd be like, okay, you have 20 minutes to preach. And he's like, no, I'm preaching my 50 minutes. <laughs> so one guy said, one of the interviewers said like, hey, you have so much time to preach. And do you think you can get it done that time? And I was like, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And he's, he looked at him and Lloyd-Jones was like, what would you say if the Holy Spirit came on me and we just started preaching and revival broke out? Does that fit with your TV schedule? And the guy was wow. like, um, I'm just following orders and telling you the time frame here. So yeah. yeah, yeah. About that. yeah. Um, he also believes in preaching and preachers, no altar calls. Wow. He felt like that was playing on emotions and a lot of conversions in the moment ended up backsliding. Or not being legit yeah. conversions. So what he would do lately, he talks about his book. He says, I talk to them one-on-one -on -one after the service. And I ask them questions. Why do you want to get saved? What, what, what did you feel during the sermon? And what, what steps are you going to change? What does it mean to be a Christian? Who's Jesus to you? He would grill them on that. Um, yeah, here's what he said. The primal task of the church and the Christian minister is the preaching of the word of God. The most urgent need in the Christian church today is true preaching. So that's his book. Now, another book of his, um, it's his sermons. They converted to a book that's called Spiritual Depression. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few times they love, he did topical preaching. 
This is probably the second most famous book after Preaching and Preachers is a Spiritual Depression. It's a, it's a, a series of about 20-some um, sermons about why Christians don't have as much joy and they're spiritually affected and they're kind of like depressed and they're kind of like in the doldrums. They're kind of like suffering through just a despondency. And he usually was very expository in his preaching, uh, verse by verse, book by book. This is one of the few times he did a topical discussion because he's a doctor. He understands some of these symptoms, right? Yeah. So that's one of his famous books is Spiritual Depression. Um, yeah. And then these books here, they stem from his sermons. So these books, I, these are just two examples. He did he did a series on Romans. Yeah, Layla, guess how long his sermon series on Romans took? Uh, okay, I'm going to go quite excessive, two years. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought something like that too, like two, three, four years. Girl, it took him 13 years to preach through Romans. <laughs> Years. I thought I was being extremely excessive yeah. saying two years. Do you have a book, maybe something of his in there? Are you looking for it now? Yeah, I'm looking for the Romans one. I'm, like, I'm mm. sure I've got it somewhere. Can't see it. It's all right. There's some, like, if you think of all the powerhouse men over the centuries that have done a Roman, like Aquinas has one on Romans, oh, Carl Barth has one on Romans, Luther's got one on the Romans, and then Lloyd-Jones. It's fantastic. And he was so... um. He, he took the, the Puritan phrase that uh, preaching at its best should be logic on fire. And that oh, ends up being yeah. a DVD we're going to talk about later or yeah. a, a documentary that I know you've watched before and I've watched. Yeah, um, love it. But that Puritan phrase is logic. Man, you know, when God said, let us make man in our image. Well, what makes humanity in the Imago Day? A lot of things. One of them is the conscience and the soul, but then is the reasoning power that animals don't have. So we have that. So logic is a human instrument that God gives us, right? And Paul is very logical in his epistles too, right? So it was Aquinas and so you know, all the great thinkers in Christendom. So Lloyd-Jones is like, my sermons are very logical, but the fire is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If you're just logical, it's a, it's a lecture. And if you're just anointed, you're just a charismatic. And he, he kind of, uh, he looked down on charismatics, Um he thought that people, which is this would include us, because we're in the charismatic Pentecostal camp, and I, I love I love my camp, love my stream. He said, um, people that speak in tongues, it's just a psychological effect for them. They're not really doing it legitimately. And it's like, um, respectfully disagree. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a whole class on on yeah, about, say, Let's yeah, go back to the history of the church. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you crushed that class. You did a great I job in that. Um, yeah, maybe Lloyd Jones is on Theos. You, he's like, Oh, my bad, I stand corrected. Yeah. You know, Layla's right, um, yeah, yeah, he loved yeah. my class, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Romans, and then he also did a, a um, I want to say a four year thing on just Ephesians. That's yeah. that's eight volumes, and then he has a six volume thing on Acts. I just have those two now. What is book of his? These are his evangelistic sermons, uh, again. Ooh. He did not seek to write these into books. These were just sermons of his that people transcribe and said, dude, the content is there. And you're like, again, your preaching is so it, basically when you read the Romans or, 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 the, or the Ephesians books, they're like commentaries. He, he was so um, thorough in dissecting each verse and the implications theologically of that. And he was so um, – intellectually voracious in his vocabulary. I mean, highly intelligent. So when you read his transcriptions of his sermons or just hear him, it's excellent 
Excellent language. And so it's like it lends itself well to a book. So th- those are some great books. Now, this one here. So when he was in Sandfields the first 10 years before Westminster Chapel, they did two services on Sunday. And I'm from the old school. I'm 42. So I remember when I was a kid, you had church on Sunday morning and church on Sunday night. And no, now the last like Australia. <laughs> what's that? We still that do that in Australia. Australia. Okay. You, still, like, you guys still have the same night services? And I'm not yeah, yeah. Okay. So I would say most American Protestant churches have done away with the Sunday night services now. Mm-hmm. They just have Sunday morning services. But Lloyd-Jones had two. He thought the morning service was more for edification. I'm going to edify the believers. And then the Sunday night sermon was more evangelistic. So bring, bring your unsafe friends. Mm-hmm. This is excellent material. Um, I may or may not have hijack some of this for my sermons. Oh, that's really good. I'm going to use that line. But uh, he goes through, and again, the, the nature and the drive is just evangelizing people with his sermons. So not teaching or edification or exhortation or prophetic or historical or poetic literature, wisdom literature. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm just preaching evangelistic type. You would probably eat this that way because you're, you're very oh, evangelistic. In your too. Yeah. yeah, I would love that. Um, so that's that. Now, <laughs> Uh, he took Charles Spurgeon's advice. Charles Spurgeon said this for, for new uh, pastor preacher. Spurgeon said, write out your sermons word for word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even really do that. I do, I do a lot. I kind of outline. Uh, Timothy Keller writes out his sermons word for word, and then he memorizes it. Wow. But Lloyd-Jones, his first 10 years, and these sermons included, he wrote out his sermons word for word. Later, he did not. He, he wrote mostly word for word, and they just transcribed it. Um, but that's a great resource. Um, other, um, other works of his are, are pretty sparse. Those are kind of his main ones. Um, yeah. Um, I can now pivot into his, uh, his achievements and events. Or did you want to go a, a yeah. different direction? What are you thinking? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Tell us about some of his okay. achievements. This won't be too long. Um, he, yeah. he is not, and he's pretty fresh on the scene. His legacy is still kind of being played out now in 500 years um you know it's like talking to martin luther well luther's a bad example because he was so um cataclysmic with, with the changes of christianity um but lloyd jones who knows like in a couple hundred years he might be known as a unbelievable which he was but you never know how history plays out where they could be just a blip on a radar or they end up being like whoa that guy you know well, all the work they did for the kingdom so his legacy is still being written. So here's his achievements. But besides being the pastor of Westminster Chapel and being the predominant preacher of the 20th century in, in the UK, he was the founder and president of the Evangelical Library in London. Wow. Because again, coming from a man who had no theological training, he was very keen on training current pastors. Those that either went through seminary, hey, you did four years, great. You're a pastor for 40 years. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing your other 36 years? And this is before yeah. Google and Logos and all that, right? So yeah. he was very intellectual and he was like, look, I, I will start it and I will found it and I will link arms with people. Like J.I. Packer was a huge one. John Stott was a huge one. And they founded this evangelical library and very, volumes of, of, of Christian history Mostly reformed, because these were reformed gentlemen. Um, and that's just a resource for any pastor in London, anywhere in the UK, to come and look. So he founded that. Also, I mentioned earlier, he was the president of the InterVarsity Fellowship of Students. He really did, he, he preached a lot. So the Welsh tradition, so every time I want to say something, I feel like I got to give it context. And then when I say that, yeah. I got to go back and give it context. Yeah. He, he's born in Wales. He never. Stop being homesick for Wales. 
He loves his home country. So even though he, he was a transplant to England, he visited Wales a lot. And the Welsh tradition was they preach four to five times a week. Wow. So that's what he did. He he, did, he preached twice on Sundays at Westminster Chapel, morning and evening. And then throughout the week, he would travel and just preach at tiny conferences or pastor gatherings. So, And wow. his sermons are, they're like 50-minute sermons, and they're very, very um, layered. So he's, he's yeah. not just like, um, he's not just pontificating on the fly. He's not coming up with like a little bit of stuff and just kind of like, you know, ad-libbing it. So to come up with five sermons a week is, is very amazing. difficult. So that took him a lot amazing. of his time. So he, he really said no, Layla, to lots of things that could have catapulted him to greater heights. So for instance, he didn't, his achievements aren't really known as much for people in America. So I just kind of geeked out on him about like five, six years ago. I was like, I've heard of his name, heard some quotes from him or saw a, a clip of him or, or some guy I respect, like John Piper or somebody. They would say, oh, Lloyd-Jones is amazing. I'm like, man, I keep hearing this guy's name, but I'm unfamiliar with him. No one told me really about him. Um, and when I started learning about him, I realized he's kind of a hidden gem. Uh, and the reason why, among many things, he's in England, not in America, but he didn't beat his chest. There were so many publications, newspapers, uh, biographers that were like, we want to put you up in the newspapers and we want to take press photos. And he said, no, man doesn't get glory. God gets the glory. Wow. So he was huge. So his achievements might not seem like that big of a deal because he, he really wasn't out there looking to make his name big. He trimmed off his schedule so he can preach and pastor his people. There is one big event though. This this bears mentioning. There was a controversy that he was involved in. This is with um, John Stott. There was this conference called the Evangelical National Evangelical Alliance in 1966. And at this time... Remember, England is Anglican, right? And there's these, these churches called the free churches. They kind of split off. So they were like kind of Anglican, but kind of not. But they're the free churches and the official state church of, of, of Anglicanism, which jumps over to America. We call it Episcopalianism, right? They started to get a little liberal and loosey-goosey in, in the name of ecumenicism. We want to build bridges and, you know, oh, all these denominations. Let's just let's just come together. And Lloyd-Jones is like, hold up. You don't even believe certain tenets about the faith. I, I'm all about like, he's kind of a John 6 guy where Jesus is like, he says all these hard words, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Yeah. And it says, from this time on, many of his disciples left him. He narrowed the numbers down. And he looks around at his disciples, are you guys going to leave me too? And Peter has the famous line, who else can we go to? You have the words of life. We can't leave you. But Jesus was all about, at this point in his ministry, in division, not adding. They added later in the book of Acts, right? Lloyd-Jones is a John 6 guy. He's like, I want to whittle out all the phony, fake Christians and churches, and let's get down to the basic tenets of the gospel. John wow. Stott, his best buddy, the other main leader in England, said he was of the opposite opinion. He's like, why are we not co-joining together and maximizing our impact in the gospel? We're so divided. We're at these own little silos. Like, we have a lot more in common than we disagree with. Both men are right, right? Yeah. So at a conference... Lloyd-Jones gets up and kind of castigates people and says, you guys are blowing it. You're trying to be ecumenical. You're missing the boat. We need to form a, a, a legit, strictly gospel-driven Church of England. So John Stoss, the chairman, he wasn't supposed to speak at the conference. He's just kind of MC. He gets up and kind of rebukes Lloyd-Jones. And this is like... All the pastors of England are there. And John Stott was like, Brother Martin, I love you, but you're wrong. And and goes gives wow. Bible verses and kind of like reprimands him and says, that is not what we're doing. We're going to build bridges. 
And everyone was like, like, it would have been super awkward in the room. Like, super oh, awkward. Yeah. And they picked up on this. They were like, John Stott, Martin Lloyd Jones, disagree. And it became, yeah. if this was like a social media, it would have been like a huge. It would have been huge. So that was huge. So um, that took about 30 years to iron out. So, yeah. um, and J.I. Packer, he took John Stott's side. J.I. Packer's like, I'm all about building bridges other denominations. I don't want to like have a litmus test. Like these are the real hardcore yeah. believers. And Lloyd Jones is like, all right, that's what you guys believe. That's what I believe. So it's a bummer. Um, those are kind of like his, uh, his achievements. Um, yeah. So question for you. Yeah. Th- that famous documentary on him, Logic on Fire. I know I recommend it to you, yeah. and they, you got back to you like, oh, my gosh, I loved it. What what I'm struck sorry. you about – because the documentary is about his life and his legacy. Mm. What were some tidbits, if you remember, like, that 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 stuck with you, like, about his, his life and ministry? To be honest, I can't quite remember all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I my favorite part was that Logic on Fire thing. I think we talked about this, yeah. like, how seriously he took – the proclamation of the gospel and and yeah. language and preaching and um yeah just the ability that that has to change and transform a life like yeah. i was sort of joking before like oh if you strip away everything from the church except preaching and prayer there's actually communion there's actually historically <laughs> baptism yeah. other stuff that's sacramentally yeah. so yeah. important yeah. but it just highlights to me um the revelation he had of how important these things were and how much yeah. God actually uses them to transform lives. Yeah. Um, and I think like we probably don't take it seriously enough in our yeah. in, yeah, in, in charismatic um, Pentecostal denominations. Like we would do yeah. well to see the seriousness of preaching more and yeah. the, the transformational power as mm-hmm. much as we believe in the power of encounter believing yeah. in the power of that word to actually change yeah. and transform lives. Yeah. So yeah, I love and, that about him, his life yeah. and his ministry. Yeah. 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 He gets, he gets credited for that phrase, logic on fire, which he says in his book, but he, he didn't come up with the phrase. It was a Puritan thing, but in that strain, like even, you know, Matt Chandler's reform, Mark Driscoll's reform, yeah. uh, John Piper's reform. Those guys kind of carry that torch that Lloyd Jones had. Yeah. I, I, here's my tracing. Yeah. The Puritan reformed men, I, I go Whitfield, then the next great one was Spurgeon, and then Lloyd Jones, and then I would say Mr. John Piper, who uh, I'm a huge fan of. That yeah. that train of just like reformed Puritan, on fire, intense, fire breathing, eternally minded preaching. Uh, in fact, there's a quote actually about Whitfield. I'm gonna paraphrase it. Lloyd Jones said. I read Whitfield's journals and I read his sermons. He goes, I feel like I've never preached a sermon before in my entire life. <laughs> like <laughs> the standard that George Whitfield was, Lloyd Jones was like, I, I'm not like that, which is, it's very humbling of him to say that. Um, yeah. So I can get into his impact and kind of main things. Uh, are you, yeah. are you good to go there? Yeah, please. Yeah. Tell us how like we as the 21st century church can, learn from Lloyd Jones and mm-hmm. sort of glean from his life, what, what we yeah. can take into the future. Yes. Especially you. Cause you have, um, uh, open doors for preaching. This is like, um, yeah, yeah. You're a PhD candidate, but uh, yeah, your preaching is very much part of your, um, your skill set. So here I, 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 I into four things and I yeah. could be wrong, but probably not. No, I'm kidding. I'm probably wrong. So yeah. these are the four, um, Number one, these aren't in particular order except for this one. He rejuvenated yeah. the office of the preacher. Um, 
he again, like I mentioned, he he cut all superf in his opinion, all superfluous church programs and said, We are getting back to preaching and prayer. He even cut the choir director guy. He goes, We don't need they had no instruments at Westminster Chapel. They just had a guy leading them and they would sing a cappella the whole place. That was it. And then he'd wow. get up and preach. <laughs> Wow. Uh, and thousands of people came to his services just to hear him preach. Um, and London's in such a metropolis and it's such a stopover city. Like you have like soldiers, businessmen, traveler, you have like um, tourists. So many people were touched by him that maybe weren't a part of his church family. Like they're not going to stay there for 10, 15, 20 years at Westminster Chapel. They're there for like six months or a couple months on a business trip. Mm -hmm. God brought all these people to him and they got his preaching and they went out and just, they, um, they were touched by the message. Um, he interesting for being a reformer, he said, you have to make room for the Holy spirit when you preach. Wow. And he said, it's a paraphrase. He said, it's so exciting. When I walk up to the pulpit, he goes, I don't know what's going to happen. Wow. Um, the Holy spirit can steer me and take me different places, which is, which is interesting. Um, he disliked pastors that preached shallowly. Um, he also got a lot of heat for his preaching because he is very, he very focused on sin a lot. And some people said, you're just a negative Nancy. You're constantly <laughs> sin and man is rebellious and we need the grace of God. That's pretty much all he preached. Um, one of his quotes, he said something like, when you become a preacher, you don't have to come up with something new every week to preach about. He goes, you preach the gospel every single <laughs> week. And you can find it in any passage. Um, he said the pulpit is the most romantic place in the world. His expository preaching was paramount. He shunned topical preaching. And again, very much verse by verse by verse. Um, he felt the church had too much organization and less spirituality. And he wanted the pulpit to, to promulgate that. So um, – he said the church can only be restored to its proper place when fire breathing preaching is recovered. So he was big on that. Um, and he was very intense, very passionate. When you listen to his sermons on audio, we don't have any videos of him preaching. You can just say, he starts off usually slow. He kind of warms up and says a few things. Not, he's not cracking jokes, not lighthearted. He's just setting the pieces. And then he kind of like puts the foot on the gas pedal and revs up. And it's very, very, um, what's the word? It's like palpitating with passion. It's just like, it's a heartbeat. Of doo -doo 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 -doo. And the way he exudes his, his language and his, and his points, he really, he's a man. He said preachers that he was very harsh on the preachers. If they didn't, if they didn't live a holy life or they didn't, they were saying it, but they didn't like believe it. He was like, yeah. get him out of the pulpit. So he was a man that yeah. lived it and preached it. The Sorry. second thing I would say his impact is besides preaching is he advanced the reform tradition. And I just mentioned this a bit ago, but um, that bridge from like the Spurgeons and you know, Whitfields and to the Acts 29 network now, which was formed, he was kind of that link in the chain in between a previous generation and a succeeding generation. Um, he helped start a publication business called the banner of truth. And a lot of those books I just showed you, they're from the banner of truth. They sell Puritan reformed theological works and writings. Mm -hmm. um, so he helped um, kind of make reformed theology pretty cool in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, and so that's one of his impacts too, is, is he's known as being a reformed, powerful man. Um, the third impact I'd say later is he clarified gospel conviction. Mm -hmm. um, he yeah. was, as I mentioned, he was not keen on ecumenical movements. 
just for the sake of building bridges. That was not his MO. Um, he believed that liberalism and the Anglican church was going to be a slow, poisonous trail. And so he believed the authority of the gospel, not programs and not personalities. Many times they wanted him to take the lead on something or be the man. He's like, no, I'm not doing that. The gospel has enough power. I'm just a simple person. So he, he was not into being worshipped as a hero. He might not even like this podcast we're doing right now. He might be like, <laughs> talking about Jesus right now and the Holy Spirit. Like, well, yeah. sorry, you know, we love you, uh, Lord Jones, but you're yeah. wrong. He's wrong. Yeah, um, yeah um, there's, uh, there's two YouTube videos of his. Okay. Speaking of his impact of clarifying gospel conviction. Mm-hmm. If you just YouTube in, in the search bar, anybody should do this. You should do this, listener. Put this on pause and do this. Just go and just type in MLJ interview. And there's two that pop up. One's black and white, one's in color. One's with Joan Bakewell and one's with a man named Alfinan Kieran. He's a Welsh man. And these guys, they interview him and you can see how well he communicates the gospel and the authority and the conviction and the erudition and the, um, and the intensity and the, and the metaphors, um, and the way he communicates, it just, it, it shocks you. So we did a Theos Nights recently. That's a podcast I do every now and then. And I, I had a video of the interview. And the students that watched it were like, they were like, that was incredible. I had heard about Lloyd-Jones. And now that I see, what, and these are just 20-minute interviews, 20-minute, 20-minute, highly recommend it. But his impact is clarifying gospel conviction. He didn't like mass evangelistic events. He thought churches and individuals should be holy enough to bring in the unsaved. So like, he, he probably wouldn't be a fan of like, I don't know what his official view is on Billy Graham, but he probably wouldn't be a fan of Billy Graham type of mass evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fourth thing I think his impact is, and this is my last one here for him. So we have rejuvenating the office of the preacher, mm-hmm. advancing the reform tradition, clarifying gospel conviction. Mm-hmm. Here's, this is the fourth one I'm saying. A rise of intellectualism. He founded the uh, Evangelical Library, right? Um, he hosted Socratic discussions Friday night at his church. So there'd be a topic. What is grace? What is soteriology? What is ecclesiology? What is the you know, free will versus you know, predestination? He would just talk about it amongst men and women, and he would, he would officiate. And people that were a part of it, and he did this for like 20, 30 years. Every Friday night, he did this. Wow, wow. G. Campbell Morgan had a Bible college of sorts on Friday nights at Westminster Chapel. When Lloyd Jones took over, he cut that, and people were like, what? And he goes, I got something different in mind. And he did the Socratic talk about Christian principles and living, and it supposedly was very, very um, incredible. And he led that. So a, a recapturing and a rise in intellectualism. He devoured church history. People said if you, he, he had church, he has church history almost in all of his sermons. He was yeah. such a nerd on church history. And I know you could, you and I can relate totally. And John mm-hmm. Adams and Chris Palmer, we love church history. People thought when he was giving sermons that they assumed that was what he studied in college. Oh, you must be a church historian. That must be your, what your credential, your degrees. And he was like, no, yeah. he, that's how much he geeked out on church history. He disliked superficial sentimental Christians that steered clear of gospel conviction. And they didn't seem like they came across as smart Christians. He disassociated with them. And predominantly, this is kind of a rip on me and my American, you know, ethnic background. He didn't really like Americans that much like (laughs) pastors and preachers. Cause 
Americans have this tendency to be very gregarious. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. How's it going? You know, very talkative. And Lloyd Jones is like, I don't like those kind of guys because they <laughs> shallow to him. And so if he bumped into an American preacher at a conference, hey, Pastor Jones, good to see you. They're talking, laughing, they chit chat. Lloyd Jones, he just felt like that guy was just a phony, whether that was true yeah. or not. So he was very much an intellectual man. There was a story of J.I. Packer bumping into Lloyd Jones at a bus stop, and Lloyd Jones had this like fat theological like book under his arm. And J.I. Packer's like, Where are you going? He's like, Oh, I just finished it this weekend. I'm gonna return to the library and get another book. And Packer was like, Man, take it easy. He, he was just a very intellectual man. And when you read his works and you listen to his sermons, you can see the intellectualism just dripping from his from his words so i think that's one of his major impacts is being a smart intelligent preacher and christian so those would be the four impacts in my opinion yeah awesome josh thank you for putting that in such a succinct sort of way as well and Mm. laying that out for us can you tell Mm -hmm. us maybe a little um about some of your favorite quotes or some of the most well-known quotes that we know from um, there's quite a few uh my favorite one which i uttered previously is take time to be holy I remember reading that when I wasn't in ministry. And for listeners that don't know, I just became an associate pastor about six, seven months ago. And um, yeah, when I read Take Time to Be Holy, oh yeah, pastors, they should totally do that. You know, they're not that busy. Okay, now that I'm a pastor, <laughs> there's like anything and everything grab. And you know that, you've been a pastor. Yeah. Everything grabs your attention. I got to plan this, do this, email that, meet this person up and plan this out. Yeah. And it's like that voice of Lloyd Jones, that quote echoes, take time to be holy, pray mm-hmm. fast, get the word. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm on paid staff, it's like, I don't have an excuse to ignore now. It's like, I need to do that. <laughs> so take time to be holy. He told that to ministers all the time. Um, mm-hmm. He said, faith is a refusal to panic. Um, the ultimate test, Lloyd Jones said, of our spirituality is the measure of our amazement at the grace of God. Mm-hmm. I love that quote. Um He said this, he said, to love to preach is one thing, to love those to whom we preach to is quite another. He knew many pastors that love to be rhetoricians and orators and speak amazingly, but they didn't have a heartbeat for the sheep in the pews, right? So Lloyd-Jones was like, dude, you have to love the people, which he did. Um, I already mentioned this one, but it's worth noting again. There's nothing new to say in a pulpit every Sunday. Why are you looking for new material? It always should be the gospel. So uh, he said this one too. Now, the way the quote starts, it might not end the way you think. So I'm going okay. to see what you think, how this one ends. Actually, I'll do that. I'm going to say the first half and let Layla try to guess the second half here. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. In teaching, we call this a sentence starter. You start the sentence and let the student finish. So I'm going to let you finish. The nearer a man gets to God... Dot, 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 dot. How, something how should about that... the more he becomes like him or something like that. Okay, that's exactly what I would have said too. The nearer yeah. a man gets to God, yeah, he becomes more holy, he's sanctified, he hears the yeah. Holy Spirit 24 Here's what Lloyd Joseph said. <laughs> and remember, he's a Puritan, pretty hardcore guy. The nearer a man gets to God, the greater of his sins he sees. <laughs> wow. So there is truth to that. The, uh, the closer you get to the Lord, the tiny things about you that you thought were kind of hidden, like you want to get clo- like what are, in Isaiah six, mm-hmm. holy, holy, holy. Mm-hmm. I'm a man of unclean lips. So when Lloyd Jones is like, the closer you get to God, he's I'm all for that. Pursue God, run after God. But you're gonna be aware of that man. I'm such a sinful person. But yeah, that quote doesn't end the way you think. Huh? You think it's gonna end yeah. like? No, no, no. I know. I know. <laughs> well, okay. So 
These are biographies. So this man, Ian Murray, who wrote these biographies, was Lloyd Jones's like uh, personal assistant, secretary, mm-hmm. and then he ended up planting a church and being a pastor. Yeah. These are known as the. They're the only official biographies on Lloyd Jones. He did not want a biography on him for for decades. He's like, no, I don't want the attention. It's not about me. But they convinced him towards the end of his life, man. If we can make this for the glory of God, your life is really story. Your life story is worth telling. These are the official Lloyd Jones biographies that he helped the man write. But look how serious Lloyd Jones is. This is his first one here. Okay, he oh, just he looks he looks pissed. Uh, he looks again. He's reformed. Yeah, he's like, are you talking during my sermon? Are you? Are you? Yeah. You know, I would say, are you on your smartphone? But they didn't have smartphones back then. But that's what he said. Now, here's the other one. This is the, his his time at Westminster Chapel. Uh, now, I'm not trying to catch anything. What's that? Smile for the camera. Not his style. Uh, not he was a very uh, he was a jovial guy. He can crack jokes. He's a funny guy, but not not in his ministry time. So I don't want to flex, but this book so impacted me. So like every time a page speaks to me, I dog ear. If it really moves me, I, I fold a half page. So just oh, when I read this about five wow. years ago, his life, it's like, it's very much like a Luther or an Augustine or um, a Spurgeon. It's just, or like a mother Teresa. It's everything you read. You're like, it just like registers a couple of quotes for you. Um, he said this, Lena, if you were to feel more interest in Christ, you would be less interested in yourself. Wow, um, and us narcissistic people in the West need to hear that more and more. Uh, he yeah. said, I just used this quote because I was blowing up for this uh, podcast for you. I use this in our, um, either my men's Bible study we do, or it was in the prayer time, pre-service prayer at my church. But I use this quote of Lloyd-Jones. Of all the blessings of Christian salvation, none is greater than this. We have access to God in prayer. Mm, And I love that. Like, yeah, you get sanctified and you have righteousness and you're clothed with the meritorious works of the the Holy Spirit and and, and Jesus. And yeah, you have, you know, a place in heaven and inheritance among the saints. Yeah, all that. But Lloyd-Jones is like, you can go to God and pray anytime. You don't need a high priest. You don't got to jump through hoops like other religions. The greatest yeah. gift that Christian has is you have access to God any time you want, 24-7. So I love that quote of his. Two more quotes. No, one more quote, actually. I already, I already told you the Whitfield quote. He said, when I read about Whitfield and his revivals, I feel as if I never preached in my entire life. Here's the one I want to end on. Quote, I have a considerable aversion to committees as thieves of time. <laughs> I love so, that one. <laughs> so this committee, committee was like, uh, no, it robs he my time. He, he, he yeah. did not like committees. So yeah, I, we can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Josh, we usually like to finish the podcast with, mm-hmm. as you know, an interesting fact or maybe mm-hmm. a funny story, anything quirky mm-hmm. about them. Would you like to tell us maybe something in that vein about Martin Lloyd-Jones? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have some fun facts. Uh, the majority are fun, but some are just interesting. But then I also want to give some plugs of resources at the end. So yeah. here's a cool fun fact. He called when he traveled, he traveled kind of extensively in the region uh, to preach and, and, and do things. He called his wife every single day, every day. And this is before cell phones, right? He'd go find a payphone. And then if he was away from his wife, Bethan, for more than 48 hours, he wrote a letter to her. So very, Aww. very, very romantic. They say on his deathbed, uh, when his wife came in to visit him, uh, the nurses would say his eyes would perk up. Like he's very much in love with his wife the, his entire life. Um, okay, 
he, he was the first to admit this, this fun fact. He had like zero physical energy and strength. Uh, he, he did like those church work. Like he said he had to use a wheelbarrow and rip heavy stuff. He said it wiped him out for three days. And he was like, he realized, well, I don't have that kind of energy. He made the distinction between physical energy, like manual labor, and yeah. nervous energy, which he felt like he had a lot of. Nervous energy he qualifies as public speaking. So if someone's like, hey, lift this pile of bricks, some big guy's like, yeah, I got the, I got the physical energy for that. But if you tell that big guy, you're going to preach, you know, you're going to teach, do a, a talk tomorrow in front of like 5,000 people. There's a nervousness that's going to drain that guy if he's not if he's not gifted. Lloyd Jones goes, I have tons of nervous energy to speak all day, but I don't have physical energy. So he was he was known for being kind of like a weakling physically guy. Um, <laughs> in fact, so much he burned himself out at his first pastor job. Um, he was a banterer and a teaser. He said him and his guy friends would just talk trash and tease each other as as guys usually do. And and the biographer said he rarely got roasted the most lloyd jones almost always had the last word that's how clever he was so um here's a cool point about providence layla when he left sandfield his first blue collar job and before he took the job at westminster chapel there was about a six month gap he got accepted to be a bible college president in wales his home country yeah bible college president he got accepted, but the board declined him because he had no theological background. They were like, he isn't a PhD like we do. We, they were like, uh, they were jealous of him. And he was pretty bummed out. God closed that door. And then G. Mo Campbell Morgan said, why don't you come hang out with me in Westminster Chapel? So that was a sign of providence. Yeah. Um, God orchestrating his steps. Um, he respected and knew C.S. Lewis, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He went to one of his lectures and him and C.S. Lewis had lunch together. Later, one of Lloyd Jones's brothers was a student of C.S. Lewis's at Oxford. Now, Layla, can you imagine being at that lunch? Lloyd Jones and C.S. Lewis and this. I mean, I would eat order food. I'm I'm just gonna gonna pick your brain the whole lunch. And they're like, "Dude, you're you're annoying me." Yeah. Um, he he didn't believe in a certain apologetics for young people. Hey, what's your message for the youth of today? He'd be like, he he felt the youth. Heart's cry was the same as the human cry in everybody, every age. So he didn't. Ha- he had just one theology, one hermeneutic, one like mm-hmm. apologetic style. Um, a Which cool makes story. sense. That always bothers me. I think like young people watch the same movies that adults do. You know, obviously mm-hmm. not like intense themes and stuff. But yeah. They can pick it up. They're doing chemistry. They're doing yeah. you know all yeah. those sorts of things. I think point. that's a great. That's a great point that he makes about young yeah, people. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, cool story. In World War II, when the Germans were bombing London, he he was so locked into preaching. <clears throat> a bomb hit near Westminster Chapel. Not on it, near it. But it shook the whole church. Wow. And debris and a dust cloud like, covered him in the pulpit. Whoa. And he did not bat an eye or pause. He kept on preaching. <laughs> And one of the elder guys came up and like literally dusted his shoulders off and got off his hair. And Lloyd Jones just kept preaching. That's how that's how intense he was about the yeah. pulpit. He didn't give communion to people that were living in adultery. He was like, no, nope. I feel like he'd be um, he'd be dishonoring his uh, his call as a pastor to do that. Um, his uh, grandson was watch pro wrestling in the TV like in the 70s, 80s, and Lloyd-Jones supposedly loved... Do you know what the, the heel is in a wrestling 
um, organization. The heel is like the bad guy. The heel is the guy that like talks trash. He's cheating. He, I guess during the pro wrestling, there's like good guys and bad guys. I guess Lloyd Jones loved the bad guys, the evil guys. And they're like, why? Wouldn't you like the good guys? And Lloyd Jones goes, no, I like that bad guy. I just like watching him. Like, okay, whatever. Um, he had a quick temper. He was ashamed of it. Um, there was a, a story where he was told, I told you earlier, he's going on TV to preach, which he didn't want to do. He said, okay, you have 20 minutes. He goes, I'm preaching the full sermon. I don't give a crap. He preached and they cut the program at the 20 minute mark of his preaching. He finished. They got back to him and said, we've had the most complaints ever from all of our audiences. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, that's my fault. Don't, don't ridicule the producer. That's me. And I said, no, no, no. It's good complaints. And he's like, what? What do you mean good complaint? All of our listeners said, why did you cut off that preacher? His sermon was incredible. So he came on the next week and they let him preach a full sermon. That's how profound his, his preaching was. Wow. They said people, one time he preached a sermon, Lila, and people sat motionless for 10 minutes after his sermon. Wow. Just awestruck, dumbstruck at the power of God. They said his uh, gesticulations, his hand movements were not practiced because some people thought he would like practice and rehearse it. It was just natural. He said, the, le- the more a preacher forgets himself or herself, the more they can just effectively preach. So his hand gestures and his movements, there's a picture of him holding his fist up as he's praying to God. <laughs> that was just off the top of his head. Um, he, uh, the, uh, two more uh, fun facts about him. <laughs> All three. He did medical work on the side as a doctor still. So people, hey, my ear hurts or my, my knee's messed up. He would do medical work on the side if he had time, but all the profits and proceeds just went to the church. Didn't take a dime of it. That's pretty cool. Um, here's an interesting thing. If he was doing biblical counseling and prayer with somebody and they have like psychological issues, he sent them to a Christian therapist. He was like, this is more than Bible and prayer. You need to go see someone who can disentangle the thought patterns. And then those Christian therapists would send him people that were like, my counseling won't work. They need to be like biblically led. Yeah. So oh, wow. that, that's like, Layla, that's mental health 50 years ahead of the curve um, yeah. of interact, Christian therapy and pastors working in tandem. Um, he was way ahead of the curve on that. Last fun fact is this. <laughs> when he was a young man, um, he smoked 10 cigarettes a day. <laughs> and he felt like smoking was not a sin. Because I would say like you and me, like, you know, yeah, you can't serve two masters. The Bible's, you know, like yeah. if you slain the nicotine and Lloyd Jones was adamant. He's like, no, people that smoke, they're not in sin. So I, I, to prove his discipline, he goes, I, yeah, I smoke 10 cigarettes a day. I'm going to show you I can quit whenever I want. He went, he did smoke one cigarette a day for a whole year. And then he quit cold turkey. But Whoa. I just find it interesting. Here, this guy, he's this intellectual behemoth, powerful preacher, and then he's like, <laughs> he's like, smoking's fine. It's like, what? Uh, that was Whoa. interesting. So, yeah. Awesome, Josh. Thank you so much. That was like, yes. those were incredible facts. Um, you mentioned that you want to share some resources for us. Can you mm-hmm. tell us where we can learn more about Lloyd-Jones? That would be great. Yeah. So you and I have chatted about already. If there's one thing you watch of Lloyd-Jones or read of Lloyd-Jones, um, you you should, you need to. I'm not, I'm not going to make it conditional. <laughs> listen or watch it you have to watch logic on fire it's 90 minutes long it's very very impacting it's, it's the life and legacy of martin lloyd jones um what he did for for the for the faith in england what he represents to people now 
Um, that Logic on Fire is probably one of the most moving documentaries of, of a Christian man or woman I've ever seen. So that, I would recommend that's on Amazon. You can watch it on YouTube, all that jazz. Um, I know you've seen it, Layla. Yeah. I, also, Preaching and Preachers, get this book. E- even yeah. if you're like a lay pastor, lay preacher, you know, or you're a youth group leader, you don't preach every single Sunday like maybe a senior pastor does. That book will, will wreck you. Um, there's also... I don't know about the, the uh, droid phones, but on, on iPhones yeah. in the app store, MLJ trust, just put in or MLJ sermons. There's over 1600 free Martin Lloyd Jones sermons. I have an app. I listen to a sermon pretty infrequent. I'd say once a month, maybe once every two months. I'll just, Oh, I want to listen to Lloyd Jones. I'm right now. I'm on a, um, Alistair Begg kick. So I'm doing Alistair Begg sermons, <laughs> but, um, Lloyd Jones, and his, almost his whole archive is on there. And here's what's cool. They have a description that's like a two-paragraph description of each of his sermons. And that description is incredible. Like one of my young adults at church, her, her and the young adults, they're doing a whole thing on sanctification. And I gave her all these Lloyd-Jones sermons on, on sanctification. The description gave a metaphor of like a sanctification is like in the medical field. When you get a blood transfusion – the blood enters in. It needs to work its way through your body as it pumps through. It takes a while. Lloyd Jones goes, that's sanctification. It's a slow process of purifying and making yourself holy as a Christian. So that was just the description of his sermon. And I was like, I'm not listening to the sermon. I'm getting good stuff out of just a description. Yeah. How do you recommend that app? Two more things. Those biographies I mentioned on Lloyd Jones, if you're a reader or you love biographies, get these. If you only have to get one, get this one. This is his time when he's at Westminster Chapel. And last but not least, I referenced these before. Go to YouTube and just type in Martin Lloyd Jones interview. And there's only two that pop up. Those two are 20 minutes of pop. Those are so helpful watching him communicate, interact. Um, yeah, they'll help a lot of people just digesting who the man is and what he represented. Beautiful. Thanks, Josh. Um, Mm -hmm. Thanks for an awesome episode and some great information on Martin Lloyd-Jones. If we want to connect with you, ask you some more Mm -hmm. questions, chat to you Mm -hmm. some more, how can people get in touch with you? So I have an Instagram account. It's under Theos. It's called Theos underscore Athenaeum. A-T-H-E-N-A-E-U-M. I think I'm saying that right. Um, That's where I can interact on that stuff. But also they can email me at um, pastorjosh.com dot new hope at gmail um they can interact with me that way and um yeah those are probably the two best avenues layla awesome well thank you so much josh and thank you to everyone for joining us on the eagle and child podcast today hope you've learned more about martin lloyd jones thank you so much josh and i'll catch you guys tomorrow bye everyone thanks so much for tuning into the eagle and child podcast that's all from us for today if you want to support us, you can like, subscribe, or drop us a review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Eagle and Child Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Much love.